Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. There's a song that's been in my heart all week. Um, and um, I'm going to try to sing it. It's old one. <laughs> uh, we have come into this house to gather in his name to worship him we have come into this house to gather in his name and worship him we have come into this house to gather in his name to worship Christ, our Lord, worship Him, Christ the Lord. I love the second verse. So forget about yourself. And concentrate on Him and worship Him. So forget about yourself and concentrate on Him and worship Him. So forget about yourself and concentrate on him and worship Christ, our Lord, worship him, Christ the Lord. Let's sing that one more time. I want you to forget about yourself. So forget about yourself and concentrate on him and worship him. Whatever you came in here with, forget about it. So forget about yourself, all the problems, and concentrate on him and worship him so forget about yourself and concentrate on him and worship christ our lord worship him We honor you. We forget about ourselves, what we came in here with. We forget about our neighbors, what they came in here with as well. And we concentrate on you. This is the purpose of us gathering together to worship you. 
This is not a social club. This is not a special event that we just so happen to come to on Sunday. We gather with a purpose to worship you, to praise you. You are worthy. We want to honor you in our praise and our worship throughout the week. But we corporately come together in this moment, on this day, to concentrate on you and to worship and magnify your name. So we thank you, God. We honor you, Lord Jesus. It is the most important thing I can do with my life is to worship you. All other else pales in comparison until I make up my mind to worship you, to honor you, to live for you and no one but you. So we thank you for your presence being in this place. And we thank you for opening up our hearts and minds to worship and honor you, the true and living God. We thank you, Lord. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may take your seats. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God is good. It's awesome. Uh, we could sing it a hundred more times, too. There's another verse I found out. But, <laughs> uh, but God is great. Concentrate on him. If you're coming to church for any other reason but him, don't come. <laughs> we are coming here to gather in his name to worship him. I know it's great to see saints on Sunday that you hadn't seen all week, but that's not the purpose of our gathering uh, it's great that we're having food after service, but that is not the purpose of our gathering. It's nice, but it's not the purpose of our gathering. About Our gathering is for him and him alone, uh, to honor him, to worship him, to put him first in everything we do. Uh, so praise the Lord. So uh, we're in Acts chapter 6, and we're back in Acts. <laughs> we haven't left it. <laughs> Took a hiatus a couple of Sundays, so I have a, a visiting uh, guest speaker last week, and uh, I think the Sunday before we had uh, Joshua. And so yeah, so we're back in Acts, and uh, this title of this message is Characteristics of a Spirit-Filled Life, and we're going to look at the life of Stephen. And this really hit home for me in, um, in preparing for this and reading ahead. Right? I was reading ahead and studying it and um, figuring out what I wanted to do and which way I wanted to go. Um, but let me read uh, Acts 6, 1 through 7, and then we'll jump into it. Um, it says, now at this time, as the disciples were increasing in number, so the Lord was still growing the church, a, a complaint developed on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews uh, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve apostles uh, summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, it is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Not that that wasn't important, but they needed to focus on the word of God, and they didn't have time to serve the tables. So instead, brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Uh, the announcement found approval among the whole congregation, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. That's going to be important. Um, it shows Philip, uh, Prochorius, Nicanor, Timon, Hermanius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And they brought these men before the apostles, and after praying 
they laid their hands on them. The word of God kept spreading. The number of disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. Amen. So God is still yet growing his church. And we looked before about how there were issues from within the church, and there were issues from without the church that came to attack. And this is an issue from within the church. Uh, so the enemy still wasn't through with trying to defeat the church, trying to squelch out their growth. Uh, but even in the midst of persecution, they continued to grow, and God blessed. And so there are several different ways you could approach this text. Um, this is the introduction of the first ism that appears in the church. Favorite, favoritism. <laughs> the native Jews <laughs> uh, were said to be serving uh, the were serving the Hellenistic serving the native Jewish widows over the Hellenistic Jewish widows. Uh, how did they address this? Using the ethnicity of those who were in, of the injured party to oversee the distribution of the goods to all the widows. So if you would. Uh, notice, and I preached on this a while ago, uh, uh, but they chose all uh, Hellenistic Jewish men to oversee the distribution. Um, and we could look at how do you address isms within the church, and this is one way of doing it, but I'm not preaching on that today. <laughs> uh, you could also go with church structure. So this is the introduction of church structure. Um, and a while ago I preached on uh, the trellis and the vine. And so the early church was just a vine that was growing wild, and, you know, they had the apostles. That was some of the structure. But there was growth, tremendous growth within the early church. And there wasn't really any structure, any uh, formality put in place. And this is the introduction of what some would call deacons uh, that were put in place uh, of the church to handle the business of the church. Uh, They selected from among them that structure. So it wasn't that they had to go without, but they went from among them to choose people uh, to meet that basic godly character. But we're not talking about church structure today either. <laughs> and then you could look at basic godly character, and we could look at a good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, and wisdom. And those are basic godly characters that any of us should have. It's like the basic, like the baseline. They looked among the people who had good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, and have wisdom. And so you can talk about what is basic godly character and what should we as Christians do with this basic godly character in our lives. But I'm not preaching on that either. (laughs) Uh, And you can also look at what is the best church growth plan. You can look at so many, there's so many different, you know, if you Google search anything about church growth, uh, you're going to get all these advertisements thrown at you. And I'm like, oh, God, what in the world did I do uh, to, <laughs> to have all this stuff thrown at me? But the best growth plan, uh, which we saw in Acts 1, 2, 3, and 4, and 5, is to follow the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you can't beat following God. He will grow his church. You don't need to do anything else. You can have all the special events and all the food and potluck and all the bells and whistles you want to have, but God grows his church. And if you follow the Holy Spirit, uh, he will grow his church. But we're not talking about church growth either, not this Sunday. And so we leave ourselves with characteristics of a spirit-filled life, 
and we're going to look at the life of Stephen. Uh, but before we go there, I, uh, I work at a paper mill, and um, if you know anything about a paper mill, and I, sometimes when I meet people in it, if they're familiar with a paper mill, they say, why do paper mills smell so bad? And I say, well, at work, the saying is, it's the smell of money, so that's what you smell. <laughs> but there are chemicals used and all kinds of things. But So I've been working there for going on eight years, and uh, my wife often gets on me because um, when I come home, she's like, get away from me, go take a shower, you smell bad. And I don't smell it anymore. I, I used to, when I first started working, smell the meal on me and my clothes. I don't smell it anymore, so it doesn't, doesn't bother me at all, uh, even to the point now, if I take food to work and I bring it back, I said, throw it away. I don't care if you did eat it. We don't want the meal smell of your food in the house any longer. It's that serious around my house. It is. So. Uh, but I've become nose blind to the meal smell. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't phase me. I go to the meal. I don't even smell it anymore. Every now and then I get a whiff of it. But it's like, oh, that smells bad. I hope I don't smell like that, and I probably do um, <laughs> at times. But you, you understand how sometimes you can become nose blind to it. You know, you put on the same cologne all the time, and you don't smell it any longer, or the same perfume. Or sometimes if you hear that noise, I, sometimes as a, as a young parent, uh, I used to have an uncanny knack to, uh, like, uh, hear my kids but not hear them because I was so used to them, <laughs> you know. And so now I wonder, like, how can parents deal with that crying baby? And then I think back, well, I could deal with it too because I could just learn how to block that out and you have that capacity to do that. That grace in my life has passed now, so I don't have that capacity. But I appreciate parents who do have that capacity. I understand it. Um, but you, begin, you become blind to hearing things sometimes. It's so used to it. And I think in our culture, We've become blind to having a spirit-filled life. We don't know what it looks like. We don't know what it appears to be. We have some semblance of it in American culture, um, but we're so blessed. We're so used to being, I mean, no one got stopped by a blockade when you came to church. No one asked you where you were going. No one questioned you about going to church. There are stores filled with Christian books and you can go in and out freely and buy what you want and come out. You can look online and every Christian from cult to non-cult, everything under the sun, you can look at in America. And so we've become so desensitized with what we have. that we become lethargic and we're so used to just having these pleasures and these things that we forget what it really means to have a spirit field life. And we sing songs about my life is his and I belong to him. But then we leave here and we do our own thing from Monday through Saturday. And then Sunday, Saturday night, we might get our minds right to come to church Sunday morning. And then we roll in here and we do the same thing again. And it is a Sunday religious obligation and not my life is spirit filled. And so I was struggling with some things in the past few weeks, and so I was looking at this, and it didn't help. <laughs> uh, because Stephen was chosen in the beginning of Acts 6 to be one of the seven men who had godly character, who was full of the Holy Spirit, 
and had wisdom. And by the end of chapter 7, he was being stoned. And I said, Lord, what are you calling us to? (laughs) Why? And, you know, if I was Stephen and somewhere in those verses, I might have said, maybe I shouldn't have been chosen. Maybe I shouldn't have been the one. Because the outcome of what happened to his life. But that is the characteristic of a spirit-filled life. That it is for him and him alone. Not what I want to do, not my pleasures, not what I want in my life, not my whatever. It is my life for him and him alone. So let's look at the characteristics of a spirit-filled life. I'm sorry if this is not a, a happy. I'm so I've been preaching unfortunate um, messages, right? They're not always happy, cheery things, I know. Uh, but they're good for us. They're good for me, if no one else. But they're good for us, for sure. Available to the Lord for service. Characteristics of a spirit-filled life. One, you must be available to the Lord for service. So we see in the first few verses of Acts 6, it says, These men were wanted not for preaching or any prominent task, but to just wait tables. And Stephen had other gifts. As we look on in, uh, later in the chapter, he could preach. God knows he preached the longest message in Acts, longer than Peter and Paul. He has the longest preaching sermon in Acts. So he had other gifts, but he was available to do what the Lord called him to do at that moment. And if it was to wait tables, then Peter, Stephen was available to do that. He was at the top of the list. It was clear, therefore, that he was spirit-filled Christian. Uh, the spirit-filled Christian is one that who is available to the Lord for whatever work he may appoint. Are you available to the Lord in this way? Are you ready to obey him to do whatever work he has appointed for you to do? To be honest, some of us have to say, no, I don't want to work in children's church. I don't even like kids. I don't want to greet. I don't like people. (laughs) I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't, you know, that's not my personality. I'm an introvert. Uh, That's not my gift. We'll make every excuse not to do something. That, is that a spirit-filled life with the characteristics of doing, doing whatever the Lord has appointed me to do at that time? Yeah, you might could do some great things. You might have some other gifts. But right now we, need, we have this need over here. Are you willing to do that? Can you clean some bathrooms? Can you cut some grass? I don't like outside. I'm allergic to outside. <laughs> grass, outside, all of you. But are you available to do the work that God has called or appointed for you to do in this moment and at this time. Also, Stephen, uh, so one, available to be used by God for whatever the work is. And then secondly, available to be used to show God's power. So we read on in Acts chapter 6, verse 8, we read that Stephen became a mighty preacher. So here goes Stephen, he was serving tables, the widows, and now... Just a few verses later, he was a mighty preacher and performed miracles in the name of the Lord. But although verse 8 says, Stephen did great wonders and miraculous signs, was it Stephen or was it the Holy Spirit working through Stephen? 
It was the Holy Spirit working through him. And are you available for the Holy Spirit to work through you to do whatever he wants to do? So many of us are not available. Our schedules are full. We had everything tidied up and packaged so nicely, and that's what we're going to do. Anything else? The Holy Spirit whispers to us. He said, no, that's the enemy because my my schedule is busy right now. (laughs) I don't have time for that. Uh, That can't be the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit knows my schedule and it's packed, and so I really don't have time to do that, Holy Spirit. Characteristics of a spirit-filled life, right? But that's what we do. I don't even think we make our schedules, and I'll be honest, I don't make my schedule thinking about how can the Holy Spirit use me on this day. Is there room for me to hear from him and do something different than what I had planned? No, I'm not saying that you should avoid work. God knows. Go to work um, because we're not going to support you. Uh, (laughs) But there are days where you have some free time. There are days where you have opportunities to have leisure and to do whatever you want, which are great. And we need those days. But there are opportunities for you to listen to the Holy Spirit. And they say, what do you want me to do today? And even when you're going to work, Lord, what, who do you want me to share the gospel with today? Who do you want me to pray with today? Who do you want me to uh, encourage today? How can I use my words for life and not death today? Being available to show God's power. And sometimes you can use God, show God's power by just being friendly or being loving, and, and someone will say, man, I needed that. I needed to hear that. You, I, you don't know how much I needed that encouragement. You don't know how much I needed to hear that I was doing a good job. I appreciate that. That may be the power that God is using in you to encourage someone else. So also, we look at Stephen reacts gracefully when provoked. And this is just not provoked. Stephen was uh, <laughs> challenged greatly by some religious people and um, his peers around him, some of his peers around him. Uh, Acts 6, 9 through 14 tells us of the terrific onslaught that, made on, that they made on Stephen by the religious people. They disputed with him, secured false witnesses, and hashed up an evil plot to get rid of him. And you wonder, like, why Stephen? Has anything like this ever happened to you? Have people said unkind or untrue things about you? Stephen had all of that. How did he react in this fierce provocation of the people around him? If we look at verse 15, it says, And all who were sitting in the council stared at him, and they saw his face, which was like the face of of an angel. Peter, I mean, I say Peter. <laughs> Stephen was being falsely accused, ridiculed, talked about. And he knew that his death imminent, they were going to, I think he knew that they were going to kill him. I think he knew that. That's why his preaching was so long. He was trying to delay it as long as he could. <laughs> I think he knew what was coming. But his face he did not make a scowl. He did not accuse them. He did not, he wasn't mean to them. He didn't provoke them. But he had the face of an angel. And he looked on them lovingly 
I, I can imagine just as Jesus looked on his accusers who were persecuting him and said, they know not what they do. And because Stephen's life was so unto the Lord, so living my life filled with the Holy Spirit, I have nothing else to give you but love, what the Spirit has filled me with. Stephen knew the scriptures. So a life characteristic of spirit-filled life is knowing the scripture. He knew, believed, and preached the word of God. There is no question about that. That brother went back to Genesis. <laughs> he kept going. And it's good. And I, I was, uh, uh, and you, we don't have the time to read through all of the rest of Acts 6 and 7, but he preached a mighty word. And you can see the power in which he already saw that the Old Testament was pointing to Christ the whole time. And he correlated all that was done by his forefathers that brought him to this point. And so he understood the, the reverence of what Christ meant in his life. He believed it. And then been filled with the Spirit, his, this, uh, he was sustained during trials and adversity. So when he was available, for, uh, available to the Lord for service, he was available to be used to show God's power. He reacts gracefully when provoked. And then when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, I mean, I, I think I used this example before, but it's just like filling a bucket with water. If your bucket is full of water and you kick the bucket, all that's going to come over it is water, right? Because it's filled with water. But unfortunately, we have other things that's in us. So when someone kicks us, the spirit doesn't always come out. Let's be honest. Um, if someone cuts us off in traffic. That's my thing. If someone cuts, the spirit doesn't always, I could be in mid-worship and the spirit doesn't always come out <laughs> when someone does something. And so that means that there's some room for the spirit to grow in my life to expand in my life because someone can rub me the wrong way and this Holy Spirit on my face is not looking like an angel, I tell you. Uh, <laughs> but there's room for growth and the Holy Spirit to take up more room in my bucket, in me, so that when no matter what happens, no matter what comes my way, if I'm filled with His Spirit, all that's going to come out is His Spirit. No matter what anyone says, that's all that's going to come out is His Spirit. Have a daily diet of his spirit. And knows the scripture and is sustained during trials and adversity. And then, last but not least, willing to lose your life for Christ's sake. And this is important, you guys. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where I think as American Christians or in this Western world, we become so um, devoid of the spirit-filled life because there is no threat of losing our life for Christ, at least not in this country. Uh, and any kind of slight persecution we have pales in comparison to what uh, the early church was presented with. And Stephen was the first uh, martyr, and there were many more after that. But are you willing to give up your lifestyle? Are you willing to give up your lifestyle for Christ? Now, he may not be asking, the Lord may not be asking you for your life, for you to die today. 
Well, he is asking for you to die, <laughs> in essence. But he wants you to die to your will, to your way. And ultimately have a spirit-filled life. So Matthew 10, 34 through 39, almost done. It says, um, do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. That goes, that goes all against all those Christmas songs, right? Peace on earth. <laughs> Jesus, I did not come to bring peace on earth, on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Uh, for I came to set man against his father and daughter against her mother and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Isn't that normally the case anyway? <laughs> and a man's enemies will be the members of his household. He who loves father or mother more than me. We love our mamas. We love our daddies. But if you love them more than Christ, he he who loves son and daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And And us parents, we love our kids. We love them. But he says, if you love them more than you love me, you're not worthy of me. And who who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Are you willing to lose your life for his sake? And so... Um, last year we had a speaker come, and I'm not going to name his name because this is recorded. And uh, he came and spoke about they're in a different country now. And I, I'm in contact with this friend, and he we're on this group text chat um, with him and other people, and he give us updates on what's going on. I really I, I really enjoy reading the updates, but it came this came at a time when I was reading in Acts six and. Um, it really was profound. And so I'm just going to read some of the text messages, a few of them, because there's a lot about this one individual. Uh, he left in, I think, November, December, um, to go over. And, um, and so we've been communicating, and we'll, we'll text each other often. Uh, but this is an update from individuals that they are out uh, witnessing to or, or proclaiming the gospel with. And in this particular country, Actually, Americans can't go out. It's very dangerous for Americans to actually go out and try to convert others. So they use the native people. They teach and train them so that they can go out uh, and witness to other people because um, they will deport you. They would send you back to your country if they knew that's why you came to this country to do. So that's the type of thing that's going on in the world. <laughs> but we're, we, we, we kind of lose sight of that. Uh, the persecution that the church is going through. And so this individual here has been persecuted. He says, please be praying. Um, there's a new believer here. Uh, he sent a video of this guy singing. And so it was a guy who's singing. He said, he's been going through a lot since he became a believer. I can't remember how much I shared, but this individual convert, converted in June of last year. The majority religion in that country uh, that he converted from found out about his baptism uh, and his medical issues, and refused to employ him, stole his valuables, blacklisted a property that he was trying to sell to pay for heart surgery. They began calling his wife in the middle of the night, threatening her with sexual violence. Okay, this is not a story. This is not made up. This is something he's reporting back on what he's witnessed. 
He says, um, he, got, he gathered money, and I'm not sure how much uh, spent. To, so they were threatening his wife in the middle of the night, threatening his wife. Uh, he gathered some money and sent his wife and sister-in-law uh, to another city uh, to pay, no, to somewhere to pay for the surgery. But while they were there, they were gang raped and robbed, and they disappeared, no longer contacting him. A few months later, they reached back out, both of them pregnant, from the rape. They came back to him, but they were both angry and beating him up because he converted to being a Christian. This is, this is what's going on now. This is, this is January. This is December, January of, of last year. This is not some made-up story from 100 years ago. This is going on now in, in the world. Um, he said, yesterday he went to the village to take them to their first ultrasound and this morning he found out that the sister-in-law committed suicide. He said, I don't have uh, much, information, much more information, uh, but just be praying. And so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you read that, and I'm like, God, <laughs> I'm complaining about traffic. <laughs> I'm upset about, <laughs> you know, the weather, the snow. Well, I, don't, I don't know, the meat, the the minuscule things that we get upset about, that we get disgruntled about, or that characteristics of spiritual life is nowhere near me. I'm so far from it when I read this. And he's still a a believer. And so it goes on. I'm going to skip through. Um, Eventually, they they had trouble contacting this guy. So he kind of fell off the radar, which I understand. I was like, I'm trying... Because uh, his friends, uh, the other the majority religion, called the cops and wanted to get the cops involved. And so he was on the run, they thought, from the police because uh, he didn't want to be questioned by the police because he just thought he, they would kill him. Uh, it says, uh, the individual being summoned uh, by the police officers tomorrow sometime. This is another text message. And he's afraid that they're going to try to uh, play it that he raped his sister-in-law and caused her death. Uh, and try to imprison him and find him for that. He doesn't feel like there's much hope at the moment. <laughs> he doesn't feel like there's much hope at the moment. And how many of us are sometimes hopeless over less things? So then this text message said, we spent three hours with this individual praying and talking. He desperately needs prayer. I would encourage all of us to recognize, and this is my dear brother who spoke here, he says, I would encourage all of us to recognize this is an opportunity for our brother to suffer. Mm. An opportunity for our brother to suffer for Christ's sake. How many of us really have an opportunity to suffer for Christ? And would we willingly, if we had to have that suffering? This is a hard truth, and this is what he writes. But the fact remains that none of us can fix his situation. And God has appointed this person to suffer, at least for this season. This is an opportunity to really believe what he believes. Pray that God upholds him through this trial. Pray that he does not fold. Additionally, pray that he works his heart into accepting his difficult plight and does not rashly take things into his own hands. He is balancing on the edge of despair and faith right now, and we must uphold him, 
by those who believe that he must walk the fat path. It's not, a e- it's not an easy fix. In other words, only God can help. And people respond, and it's so, um, it's so American of us, because all the responses were, can we send money? Can we help him? Can we send money? Can we send money? And he said, no, you can't send money. It would get him in more trouble, <laughs> because they would wonder where he got this money from, and they might try to kill him or take the money from him. Um, I'm going to stop there. I'm not going to read anymore. <laughs> it does end. He, he is, he's still a believer. He's a still, he has gone through. He's still yet holding on. And so I, I encourage you, I admonish you to have a spirit-filled life. One that this brother obviously has taken hold of truth in the faith. I mean, we, I mean, we may say to ourselves, well, I would do the same thing. I don't know. Would you be willing to believe if your life is on the line? I often think of, it's the story in Luke, uh, I think Simon or Simeon, um, who was walking with the Holy Spirit, said he, well, the Holy Spirit was upon him before, this is what, the birth of Jesus, and when he sees Jesus, and this is before Jesus had done any miracle. He hadn't raised the dead. He hadn't done anything. But he saw Jesus and he said, I've seen the salvation of the Lord and I can die now. Because he knew what was in his midst. And do we understand the power of God in our midst? When we see him, we have everything we need. I want to encourage you all, and you stand as I close uh, with a blessing, I do want to admonish you uh, to pray, pray hard and long <laughs> and often. Uh, but I wanted to admonish all of us to uh, pray daily, uh, but then also to join in our corporate prayer time. So at least I want to challenge you to at least once a month come and participate in a corporate prayer time here. So there's uh, corporate prayer every Thursday night at 7 uh, and there's prayer on Sunday mornings. And then once a month, we have prayer at noon and prayer in the morning at 6 a.m. And whatever works for you. If you uh, and the 6 a.m., the noon prayer are once a month. And the Thursday prayer is every Thursday and the Sunday morning prayer is every Sunday. Whatever can fit in your schedule. Whatever you allow the Holy Spirit to push on your heart to say, hey, I can make this sacrifice. I can do this once a month. I want to encourage you to do that because um, his house is a house of prayer. But unfortunately, prayer is the least attended event in any church, no matter the size. It could be 10,000 members. It's going to be less people coming to a prayer meeting uh, than anything else. So I want us to really be challenged in our prayer lives and really join uh, corporately. I want you to pray individually, daily, as we should, or at least five, five out of seven, however what you can schedule, um, but then also join in the body and corporately let's come together and pray at one of those corporate prayer times. And I think we'll see the fruit of that. We'll see the Lord blessing. We'll see his uh, spirit move. We'll see miracles. We'll see signs and wonders. Uh, we'll see it all. He really um, wants his house to be a house of prayer. So I'm going to pray over us dismissed. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. 
You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.